A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to Mary and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. We come to the last Sunday of Advent in a season that seems unusually long. Luke indicates that it was in the sixth month, but it was nine months ago, on March 25th, that the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary just after we were first shut down for this unexpected pandemic. One of the consequences of social distancing is not being able to touch. I read this week that because of the pandemic, there is a shortage of live Christmas trees. People who normally put up an artificial tree decided this year they needed to touch something alive. The Christmas tree, of course, is an evergreen, a sign of life in the midst of death. And on this tree, we string lights. For Christ is the light of the world, born at the winter solstice, the darkest day of the year, when the sun is lowest in our skies. People in Ireland, some 3,000 years before Christ, built massive mounds of stone, hills with a hidden inner chamber for the dead. The blind entry passage had a slot over the barred door that admitted sunlight Sunlight which at Newgrange on December 21st, the winter solstice, would pass through the slot, go down the corridor, 
and flood the innermost chamber with light once a year. What an observant people! How carefully they watch the movement of sun and moon and stars! How shrewd in their ability to build a small hill and equip it with so elaborate a design! What were they saying in all this, if not expressing a hunger for light, not merely the phases of the sun's light, the moon's light, the light of the stars, but a different light that would never be overcome with darkness. Mary is also a figure of longing, but her longing is more subtle, symbolized by her virginity. The longing at the center of Mary's virginity is both spiritual and social. She is committed to both God and Joseph. In this episode, the key to Joseph's significance is that he is of the house of David. As we heard from the second book of Samuel, quote, Moreover, the Lord declares to you, David, that the Lord will make you a house. It is this biblical prophecy that backs up Gabriel's announcement. The Lord will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary is not only committed to God, she is also dedicated to what God is building in the world. David's desire to build a house for God only occurred to him after he had finished building his own new house and noticed that God was still hanging around in the tent where the Ark of the Covenant is kept. Tents were made of animal skins, skene in Greek. In the Gospel of John that we read on Christmas Day, the Word became flesh, verbum caro factum est, and lived among us. Skene in Greek becomes caro in Latin, flesh instead of skin. The original literally means God has pitched his tent and lives among us. In Christ, God has put skin on. God is on the move, dwelling with God's people and making of us a house. Mary is the most unexpected one who will complete God's building campaign. Gabriel tells Mary that the Spirit of God will overshadow her, just as the cherubim overshadowed the Ark of the Covenant. Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant, making a home for the Holy One in her womb. We too are asked to make a dwelling place for God, to put skin on God, making Christ present and living among us. Standing in the middle of the present-day Palestinian city of Nazareth in Galilee is the Basilica of the Annunciation, built around what is believed to be the cave and dwelling of Mary. Inscribed on the front of the church are these words, Verbum caro factum est et habitavit in nobis. The word became flesh and lived among us. On the lower level of this church, in a grotto-like room, there's a small altar that commemorates the place where Gabriel spoke God's word to Mary. 
On the front of the altar are these words, Verbum caro hic factum est. This is where the Word became flesh. Not in the church of the Nativity in Bethlehem where Christ was born, but here in this place, history was changed because Mary said yes. Here in this place, God breaks the silence and speaks to us in the Word proclaimed. These words are always live and they have an effect on us like the sun or the gentle snow. When we let the word find a home in our hearts, God's faithful covenant takes flesh, becoming in us a sacrament of God's love, as we promise to love one another with the same love that loves us. Whenever we do this, we do not have to wait one more day for Christmas. Christ becomes flesh whenever we say yes to God's word. Verbum caro hic factum est. Let your word become flesh here in us, the servants of the Lord.